Hi, it's Paul Garns, executive producer of Queen Sugar, and we're here to talk about season seven, episode five of Queen Sugar. And today I am joined with two wonderful guests. One is, I would say, the person single-handedly responsible with Ava craft a look of a show that wasn't typical to a way that TV shows were looking before, especially in the cable space. And so many people comment on the look of Queen Sugar. And today we're joined by the person whose eye crafted that, Antonio Calveche. How are you, Antonio? Very good. Glad to have you here with us. Thank you so much. A pleasure. And then secondly, we are joined by one of the characters that has really crafted out a big portion of the heartbeat of the show. So many of the fans of the show, and even us who work on the show, love this character so much because the no-nonsense kind of matriarch point of view that she brings as Aunt Vi could not be done any other way than by Tina Lifford. Hey, Tina. Hey, Paul Garns. How are you? Good. Happy to have you here I'm with us. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be with the visual master <laughs> and the great team leader. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about episode five, but before we really jump into episode five, it's always wonderful to kind of dig a little further back and talk about just Queen Sugar as a whole, the impact of it, the experience of it. Both of you have been on the show since day one. So Antonio, what do you like, what is your reflection of Queen Sugar after all these years? Well, it has been really interesting to be working on the same project for seven years. It's um, something that doesn't happen. I couldn't imagine this will happen. I came to Queen Sugar from the feature film universe. So I was used to be working on a project for several months and then moving on into something completely different uh, with a different set of challenges and style. Here, uh, Queen Sugar gave me the opportunity to come back every year and explore and refine and redefined and perfect uh, what we had done the previous year. And it's um, it was very interesting. It was very gratifying. Um, it uh, gave me a sense of mm, family with the team, with the cast, uh, with um, many of the crew members that stayed with us. And I really got... Um, I found myself really being part of this adventure, this project, this story, and this family. Um, it was great to, to be able to come back and, you know, you get to know those locations, uh, so you know what time to shoot, you know how to approach, what shots look best. Um, you get to know the cast, uh, what type of camera angles and lighting angles work best for them. I mean, it it gives uh, an opportunity really to go deep into the work and, and perfect it in a way that uh, I could never do with, uh, with a feature film. Well, it's been wonderful having you there all seven seasons. Like you said, it's very rare for a cinematographer to stay on a show 
the whole run of the series. Mm. So I think that we really benefited from you pushing that look every year. Mm. And the show always felt fresh and looked great. And it was, you know, wonderful. I'm going to come back and talk to you about one of those things in a second. But first, I just want to ask Tina Lipford. You showed up in New Orleans. You hadn't really worked, I don't think, with any of us yet, right? We were kind of a new group to say, hey, I'm going totally to go new. jump in. Hand, you know, what, did you, what was that process like for you? I'll tell you that when you audition and you leave an audition, usually an actor will take their sides with them. That's the, the paper that we, you know, use for the, the audition, pages. the script pages, mm -hmm. right? And I walked out of that audition and threw my sides away because... I thought, mm, they're not interested, right? So to be on a plane just less than a month later headed down to New Orleans, that was quite the experience. But, you know, over the seven seasons, uh, we've been able to witness the Ava effect in terms of so many of the visual parts of Queen Sugar. But there's a behind-the-scenes effect that is equally stunning. I mean, when you think about, you know, working for seven seasons with people who in the beginning were strangers, total strangers, mm -hmm. and yet for seven seasons you get up and you go to work and you have fun. That's extraordinary. And then on, on top of that, I'm working with a cast where there is not one single actor that isn't extraordinary and not one brings their ego to the work, right? The, the only way you see the ego is we all have a shared commitment to those words that are on the page and making them come alive. And there's just such a beautiful respect. And then, you know, I hate to sell the truth in front of you, but, you know, our, our, our leadership on the ground, you know, getting up and coming to work every day, it was an environment where um, fun and play and, and we all knew where we were. We knew what our responsibilities were. We had latitude to play. And then when the work, it was time to work, we all showed up. That's, that's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the most profound moments for me was after we had done the pilot. Antonio, you shot the, the first two episodes with Ava directing. It was the first time you as a group of actors had worked together. We were working in this, you know, foreign environment telling a story that people didn't know about these black farmers in southern Louisiana. We didn't know. Did anyone know, yeah. <laughs> and then we did a, a screening. We were maybe four or five episodes in by then, but it was the first time that you as a cast had seen it. I don't know, you had probably seen some in color correction. But one of the things that the show did that was unique and I think a little scary was the show really gave a moment for the characters, for the story, for the visuals to breathe. There was this almost uncomfortable moment of what happens after the conversation, right? Like when you make that statement, you know, in TV, a lot of times we, we lean into the drama of the statement. But then there was like this brief, like two or three breaths after on Queen Sugar, where you really had to live in that moment. You really had to live with that character in that environment. And I felt like that was pretty unique. You hadn't seen that on a lot of TV shows. For you as an actor, what was that like where you get to the end of the scene and no one said cut? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was 
it was unusual, right? And then actually watching it in that screening, it was the experience of being part of a really beautiful, hot summer breeze, right? Where that, that breeze comes in and you feel it and it's languid and you, it doesn't rush on and you have to just be there with it. And that's the thing at that screening that I was most taken by. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're not rushing here at all. And visually, it was a perfect match. You know, the visuals, the tapestry that Antonio and Ava painted, um, along with the slow moving, we're taking our time because this is life. Mm -hmm. That was just beautiful. And we, we kind of invented a term, which you guys, when you're shooting, you know, we would always be chasing the clock. And, you know, my job in the early days was to police the clock. And Antonio would always hate to see me walking over like, Antonio, we're, <laughs> we're running out of time. What are we doing here? Um, but we would always save something that been, became kind of the normal conversation, a queen sugar frame. Antonio, why don't you describe what that is, what, that, what, what a queen sugar frame is? Uh, well, that was uh, developed as we were shooting the first two episodes. Um, um, I do remember the first Queen Sugar Frame um, very well. Uh, we were shooting an exterior at Nova's house, uh, which was a practical location at the Ninth Ward. And there was this scene when Reed comes to see Nova. Uh, we had a reverse shot on Reed um, arriving, uh, getting off his car. Uh, we had a wide shot uh, framed, and Eva asked, um, can you tilt up? Uh, okay, we tilted up uh, more. Uh, so we tilted more. Uh, no, more. <laughs> so we ended up... Uh, Framing that shot with Reed, just the head of Reed, just the uh, roof of the car at the bottom of the frame. And that was it. Um, that was the start of the uh, lots of headroom style, which is one of the trademarks of the series. Uh, and what we mean when we say a Queen Sugar shot, it's, uh, it's a lot of uh, headroom. So now when people are watching the show, they can say, hey, that's a Queen Sugar shot, because it yeah. really that language lasted throughout the whole yeah. series. Actually, it wasn't called like that before. I referred to it as an artistic shot. Um, but I realized when I said we need an artistic shot, the 80s uh, felt a bit like this is icing on the cake. This is not necessary. We should move on. And... Eventually, I remember I had a conversation with Eva when we were shooting the episode three of season one. And she told me, Antonio, you cannot leave a scene without one of our frames. Um, it's, um, it's unnegotiable. So I came up with changing the concept. Mm -hmm. and, and instead of calling it an artistic shot, 
calling it a queen sugar yeah. shot. That was great because everyone knew what that and was. After that, uh, no AD will come complaining <laughs> about we needed an additional setup. Uh, the queen because sugar that shot. was the signature of the of the series. That's really sort of a beautiful branding story, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful branding story. It's the the essence of branding. Mm -hmm. So one of my personal favorite things about Queen Sugar, and this I think I will be maybe outside of Antonio just because of the reason that it, why he likes it might be different than me, but I really enjoyed our Monday morning shots at Vashery, which were all, oh, see, Tina's already rolling her eyes, <laughs> which always required for us to do like a 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m. call, which means that actors had to be in hair and makeup by like 4 a.m., just so that we could get the beautiful, the pretty light in the morning. It was my favorite thing ever to have those early morning shots. No one, I don't think, liked them except for me. I don't know if you liked them. I know you liked the light. I, I, fought, I fought for it. I, all the time I was asking for it. Uh, I didn't enjoy driving at night for, for an hour to the location, <laughs> but um, it was the best time for that location. Uh, whenever we had a scene looking out into the cane field or a scene taking place in the cane field, early morning was the, the prettiest light. And it was just hard because um, being so far away from New Orleans, it yeah. meant for for us uh, leaving at 5 a.m. to for a, a 6 a.m. A, a call, but for the actors, yeah, it was it, always it tough. Was. And it seemed like that first season, it was like every time we were out there it was all of you all. It was every actor, everybody had to be in at 3:30 a.m., which means you had to be picked up at 2:30 a.m. Kill me. <laughs> that that is probably the only part of the seven seasons that um, I could have done without. And yet when you watch each episode, the Vashri stuff is just so extraordinary, right? It's just the landscape adds so much to the texture of not just the visual texture, but the storytelling. So, yeah, you take, I'm, I'm, you take the good with the, the bitter with the sweet. And that was one of the hardest parts of season seven for me, which is we didn't go much yeah, we to, didn't, we didn't to have battery. A lot out there. Yeah. We missed we gone. missed that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is unfortunate. And yet and <laughs> I think Tina's gonna try to spin this as a positive. Yeah, well, I mean I we did something under that extraordinary tree, which, you know, memorializes the tree and and that tree that is in Aunt Vi's backyard. Yeah, it always was a special thing. Just extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, the there's such there's such feeling and history, you know, in that tree. So I'm really glad that that's probably the first time in all seven seasons that we really sort of um, made the tree a part, a central part of a scene. Yes, that was in episode one, right? Yeah. Um, the celebration of baby yeah. true though though if you don't remember and when the i'm sure you do but it's when vi and hollywood were getting married originally it was supposed to be under the tree yeah but the weather just didn't yeah. cooperate yeah uh it was one of those nights it was the finale yeah. and it rained yeah. and the, the, we sat out there all night waiting for the rain to to cease um but we were originally we were going to shoot that wedding under the tree and we yeah never and it wound up being scene. a beautiful wedding it in did. the front yard it did you know yep. but that makes season seven and and the scene under the tree even more 
special. It did. So as we transition into talking about the episode, I think as this episode starts, um, we find Nova having a dream about her parents. Um, and Nova's always had this spiritual connection to her past, to the land, um, and always had this longing to have understanding about what that those early days were and what they should mean to her. Um, and, and Aunt Vi has always been kind of there to help her kind of wrestle through those because unlike Nova, Unvi did live through them. Mm. Um, but what do you think about like this, this, this concept of Nova always seeking out some truth about her past? Yeah, it's a fantastic question, Paul, because, um, you know, ju- just in terms of the storytelling and then in terms of good storytelling, um, speaking to the lives of viewers, everyone is wrestling with trying to figure something out, right? And most people find themselves frustrated because, like, where do you go for those answers? But Nova has such a belief in her connection to more than what she just sees that it helps a person who was rather troubled. I mean, Nova Nova has a lot of stuff that she is working out in, you know, the seven seasons. And for her to be able to believe in the ancestors Mm -hmm. and to believe that her mother and father are present really helps her make some big decisions. And I think ultimately it points her in the direction that she is going in season seven. And Antonio, I think one of the most famous shots on Queen Sugar was season one, episode one, was the shot of Nova and Calvin in bed, where we showed kind of, you know, the mahogany goodness of Rutina Wesley in a way that people were really like awestruck over. Just not only it was very tasteful, but the look of it. What is that process for you working with, I mean, Queen Sugar has actors of all hues of trying to find that balance of, you know, shooting like Nova, who is a, you know, a a chocolate actress with Calvin, who's a, you know, Caucasian man, or, you know, with one of the other actors that could be a much lighter tone. Trying to find that balance because, you know, frankly, one of the criticisms of people who film or watch shows with African-Americans is that not a lot of, of attention is spent on how to light them and that they don't look as good. People look too dark or they don't have, you know, variation in the in their skin. What is that process like for you trying to find that balance? Well, I... I had had a chance to work with um, African-American casts um, before Queen Sugar. I had done feature films and music videos um, with actors of all kind of um, skin tones. So I already came knowing how to approach it. Um, Back then, uh, when I was shooting film and I was shooting this kind of scenes with um, uh, dark-skinned actors and... Uh, mixing scenes with uh, more uh, uh, Caucasian actors, um, it worried me a lot uh, because back in film, it was a matter of trust. Uh, You didn't see what you were doing until you saw the results. And I realized that 
The darkness in the skin tone is only when you have very direct light. When you use very soft light, then the skin tone shines. Mm. And, and that was the beauty in photographing Rutina and photographing them all. Is I knew that direct light doesn't help. Mm -hmm. because direct light is where you have problems of compensating different skin tones. But uh, whenever I stick to soft light, it was okay because it wasn't so much black against white. It was uh, different hues. Mm. And, and that was uh, my lighting trick uh, through the whole season. And um, my lighting crew knew about it, so... Uh, we were always working with uh, large uh, lighting units and soft lighting that uh, would just bring the best out of the uh, dark skin tones. Well, I think it was effective because people always talk about that sequence. And I think overall, the melanin comments about Queen Sugar always comes up in the, the Twitter feeds and on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a compliment to trying to figure that out because it's not something that a lot of people take the time to do. Tina, one other thing that I always thought, you know, deserved more conversation was this relationship that Vi has with Hollywood. Um, it's gone through a lot of growth and dimensions from dating to marriage. It's had its challenges from financial, from exterior forces coming in, to health. And they're still right there together. But this season, we have a little bit new piece to it where we have these two boys that Vi has really kind of taken to. I mean, Hollywood seems to be you know, kind of going for it. But it does seem like it's a, a, a new push of Vi trying to figure something out. What do you think? Yeah. I think that dealing with children straight on is so appropriate for season seven, right? Because the the very first shot where you see uh, Aunt Vi in season one, she is... Um, sitting on that porch on that banister and she's like, you know, waving her feet like a young girl. But what she's looking at are two things that she absolutely loves and that's Hollywood and blue. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, throughout the seasons, you experience her different pains around children so to come to season seven and to have these two unlikely candidates, you might say, pop up in her and Hollywood's space is extraordinary. I think that, that you know, Hollywood and Vi's history, they really have landed in a place where they are the best of an old shoe for one another, right? Just the, or, or a comfortable robe. They are the best of that. And they both are coming to this question of these boys and children in a way that we haven't seen with Hollywood and a way that Vi has consistently tried to pack it away. And there is, it's not packed away. And for them to both be coming at this from different places is exciting. 
And one of the things that I uh, found very interesting, especially this season, because people have really noticed it, and even in this episode, is um, things start to develop on how they can keep these boys in the house. Vi seems to be she treats threats very binary. She's everything's existential. Like she doesn't play around. People are always like, uh oh. When something goes down with Landry, they're like, uh oh, here comes Vi. She ain't gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about Vi's personality? Like she gets stuff done. Um, but but why do you think she's like that? Why is everything, you know, black or white, yes or no? She doesn't seem to have a lot of of room for variation. Well she's gotten better. She over over the because even even with Darla in the beginning, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it was just like nope, yeah, not gonna yeah, not gonna mess with yeah, her. She's not coming yeah, in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she she's gotten better. You you actually have seen her grow. Vi was an abused woman. She loses her parents, which meant everything to her. Mm-hmm. She finds herself in a marriage that is abusive, and nobody knows. And then she loses her protector, her brother. So this is a woman who has to hold on to things very tightly. She doesn't have room for, you know, flexibility because she spent so many years having to hold on to herself Mm -hmm. to survive. Mm -hmm. And it is through her relationship with Hollywood that she begins to experience a little bit of that thawing. And then through, through that and just the fact that life isn't going to stop and make you comfortable. And she's so committed to all of the kids and their lives are completely, you know, not uh, under her control. Mm-hmm. She has to learn how to let people be. It's hard. It's really hard, but she finds that when she takes a breath, she does get something better from it. So she's trying. Okay. She's trying. What do you think, Antonio? What do you think with all of our characters have gone through so much as we get to season seven and we're trying to wrap up some of these storylines? I know visually every season you seem to have kind of a a goal that you want to happen. Is there a series kind of visual wrap up for you? Is there a way that this all starts to lead towards the series finale? I think um, maybe there was a sense of... uh, going back to season one and and get back to the essence of um, when we started. And uh, we actually did pick up some references from uh, season one when we did um, uh, the last episode where uh, you will see there are like um, shots that we brought back to life. Um, so, yeah, I think that there was a sense of crossing the circle. In this episode, we have a moment where Nova gets everyone together to tell them, you know, one of the, the big arcs of the show, that she, her book was going to be turned into a movie. And um, I love that sequence because you can see the tension brewing within Darla. Um, you know, we, we know as an audience, cause we've been watching what's been going on with her, that this has been happening right over time, that this, this past piece of her life is still there and it's going to catch up with her. But in this particular scene, you really see her get to a point where 
she boils over. And, you know, shooting those sequences is always a lot of work because you got to capture all the glances. You got to get, you know, who notices what. And, and Vi's always that character is kind of like clocking someone's, you know, energy. But what is that process like for you? How do you approach those days when we know we have a huge emotional piece? There are a lot of actors. We're shooting around a space. Is there a way that you approach it that, you know, getting in that morning where it's like, okay, here's how we get it done? Yes, definitely. It's about uh, our priorities. When we have scenes where we have a lot of work to do and not so much time, it's uh, setting us uh, setting up our priorities so we get to the meet uh, before. Um, I often ask uh, the directors, um, and they usually uh, check with the cast, who we start uh, covering first and mm-hmm. uh, uh, usually we want to start with those that have the heaviest load in their performance I don't remember which order we followed in this in this scene but yes it was um, it was great to see the dark cloud coming over Darla mm-hmm. um, it was uh, a lot of drama and you can see her while the rest of the family is like excited, celebrating, questioning, talking about uh, Nova uh, turning her book into a movie, and uh, she's in her world. And actually, there is this shot that it's a lot of fun where the bottle of wine is in front of her. And she looks at it. It, it, yeah. it, it just looks like she's staring at the wine. And yeah. is, is she going to go for it? And she leans forward to grab it, and then we reveal she's grabbing a glass of water. water. Yeah. Um, uh, there is um, there is more about this cloud uh, getting over Darla in the next episode as well. That uh, we had visual fun uh, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with uh, with that. Um, and the end of the episode, I love the end of the episode uh, because it's just uh, all about Darla getting back to this dark side that she yeah. cannot get rid of. It's, uh, it's when we see um, uh, Ralph Angel and her in her new home and mm-hmm. they gets the call. She gets the phone call. And she walks from the warmth of their new home. She walks outside and it, it's all blue lights. Uh, so it's from the warmth to the cold and that's where the episode ends at that moment I love. Um, but going back to the scene you were describing, yes, that, that's a great scene with the whole family. And then it turns into a confrontation of Nova and Darla in the mm-hmm. bedroom, which was mm-hmm. a lot more intense and mm-hmm. a lot more challenging to shoot it without interfering with them. Which At, at this point, that's really our main goal um, from a camera point of view is not to interfere with the performances and, yeah. and just be take a step back and uncover them without uh, affecting their performance. Well, it, it certainly is a tense scene. I have to say that, you know, one of the favorite joys of an actor is watching another actor kill it. And Darla's blow-up, Bianca Lawson's blow-up, in, you know, which actually happened outside of, I mean, in the room with just her and Nova. But I got to see it. Oh, mm-hmm. my word. 
I have never seen such a brilliant, seething, explosive, but but contained blow up in film. She was magnificent. She was. <laughs> magnificent. And um, I, you know, I just, kudos to Bianca Lawson. It's beautiful. Well, I love it because there's so much nuance to it. And there's like, she plays it with this subtle disbelief that they're even talking about this. Yes. Um, yes. And, and it was great because, you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, Vi kind of jumps in it like it's going to be a problem. And then she's like, oh, that sounds wonderful. And then, you know, everybody, people are counting up the money. People are talking about who's going to play who. But all the time, it's just brewing, and she just can't believe that this is happening and that this is even a conversation. You know, and Nova keeps saying, but only if everybody's for it. But we know before everyone else does that Darla's going to have a problem with it. Uh, and it was really such a brilliant moment. It really uh, and it's, it's a great arc to the Darla character, which we've seen from the lows, right, from the point where nobody would even talk to her, that, you know, she was just the outcast of the family. And now, I mean, Darla and Vi are, like, you know, partners. She, she's working with Vi to really, like, get that business going. She's really made such a great arc. And the way in which uh, Darla says, I said no, I said no, really speaks to what you just said, Paul, because she would have been sort of overlooked Mm -hmm. seasons earlier mm -hmm. but when she says i said no she you know that her her voice matters she knows that her voice yeah. matters yeah. and in that moment it's shut down yeah. she found her voice for sure like it meant something it stopped the whole thing it stopped the whole thing yeah and 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 it's funny because you know nova usually is the one who's going to fight and you know and nova even was like whoa look you're right no, we're not going to do it if you, if you don't want me to do it. Uh, it was a powerful moment, really powerful moment. Let's also talk a little bit about um, our dear Ralph Angel. Um, <laughs> you, Violet, have always tried to, to help find the best for Ralph Angel, but now he finds himself in a predicament. The farm is gone. He's trying to he's trying to to rally the troops around the co-op, but it seems like Landry is there every step of the way, foiling it. How how why is the family just stick with Ralph Angel this long? That is a cultural statement, right? That's a cultural question. It's it it is so deeply embedded in at least the black women that I know. It's so deeply embedded embedded to want the best and bend over backwards for the men that we love and the men that we care for and the men who need us. And that is where Vi finds herself with Ralph Angel. Ralph Angel represents so much, you know, to Vi. She's I mean, he is earnest, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He is her promise to earnest. He is her first blue, you know? And then, and then he gives her blue. You, there's just so much of Vi 
that is committed to this man flowering. And before season three, Vi would have been one of those women who would say, I would die for you. Mm -hmm. And it'd be real. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it's just it's it's in the DNA. It's it's in it's in it's just in who she is. So we have a few themes that this season, kind of overarching themes, and I'm gonna say the themes, and then you guys tell me kind of what you think about that. How does that relate to the show? Um, uh, one is new beginnings, letting go. It's it's interesting because the completions make room for the new beginnings. Mm -hmm. And I feel like season seven is setting up the new beginnings by completing what is left undone. And, it, you know, as we talk even with, you know, with Antonio kind of talked a little, about, a little bit about the last scene um, where Darla has this phone call and it's kind of an ominous phone call where this past is starting to catch up to her. She thought she had a new beginning. You know, she has this new child with Ralph Angel, the love of her life. You know, Blue is there and happy. She's recovered. She's finding success in business. And yet, you know, her new beginning is kind of soiled by the specter of her past. I would say that her need to complete the past allows her to actually actualize all that is her possibility. But she can't do it without, without what all of us experienced with that book. That book gave everybody the opportunity to complete, mm -hmm. except for Darla mm -hmm. in the way that she's going at it now. Mm -hmm. And so it's the completion that sets the stage for the new beginning. Yeah. So we'll see what that leads to with her. Um, one other theme that I'll throw out there, legacy, leaving your mark. That defines a lot of things in this series. It defines the storyline, um, what these characters are trying to do, and it defines what Eva and all of us um, are trying to do with this series. It definitely defines my motivation to stay in this series for three seasons. Definitely, it's, it's leaving behind a, a, a legacy and a mark, um, something that will impact um, now and in the future. I think that uh, asking Antonio that question is so perfect because for seven seasons, Antonio has very, very intense eyes. Mm. And for seven seasons, he looked at a scene, he looked at the landscape and what was happening in his mind. You could see that every single choice was legacy, even if it wasn't processed as legacy, but it all mattered. It all was important in a way that he did not have time for the noise and the riffraff that was going on around him because he had a very important job to do with that light right there. <laughs> so, so my favorite, Antonio's heard me tell this story before. Um, I love I that. I apologize, Antonio, for doing a, a, an Antonio um, 
representation of an accent. So you have to, I, I pre-apologize for this. Uh, but you, you probably have never heard this story. Antonio is probably tired of hearing this story. Okay. But we were shooting the premiere of season two. Cat Candler was directing. And we had been scouting, and probably one of the scourges of Antonio was when I take him to an office building to shoot. Hated office building. He's like, can't we shoot on the first floor? It's like, it's an office building. But anyway, we were up on like the 31st floor of an office building. And I'm going to equally offend Kat Candler by representing her in the story. So it's Antonio, Kat Candler, and myself. And we walk into this conference room. Kat Candler, and this is my Kat Candler uh, uh, thing. (laughs) She's wearing her overalls, and she's like, oh, Pigtail. it's so lovely. I love it so much. What do you think, Antonio? Don't you think it's lovely? And Antonio, who has his thing, not clasping hands, is stroking the beard. And he's standing there looking at it, and he says, it's tattable. Tattable. <laughs> and Kat Candler looks so hurt. She's like, oh. <laughs> it's one of my favorite moments because it captured Antonio. Uh, now, we shot it, and it's gorgeous. But, Antonio, what was going through your mind? Do you remember that moment? I don't know if I said that it's terrible. <laughs> I don't think so. That, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> but I, I was probably just thinking about how the hell we were going to shoot there uh, in a 37, whatever, uh, story high building. <laughs> Uh, the main of his existence. All, all, was, was, all surrounded by windows. And, it was, it's true. And no it way to control it. So. Not at all. So um, nobody was seeing what I was seeing, which is... <laughs> it was terrible. terrible. <laughs> it's a freaking nightmare. On, on the day of the shoot, we were going to regret being there. It looked wonderful. We made it through it. It was a great moment, but it was one of my favorite Antonio stories. It's a good one. Um, So we have this phase of the podcast that we called Stump the Guest, where I get to ask a question, and you guys have to try to answer the question. Now, I will try to make this as difficult as possible, but answerable. So I'm not good at stuff like this. Okay, go ahead. I don't know. Antonio, you might find this easy because you have good recall from all the different seasons. But this season, we haven't seen it yet, but there is a, just like it happens in New Orleans, an event that happens uh, every so often that you have to try to to work around in your personal life and your worker life. But in season one, we found ourselves in a tough schedule. We're still trying to work on how to make the show work. And so we proposed something story-wise that was very limiting for the DP. But we decided to shoot a two-episode run about a particular event. Do you remember what that event was? Yes. What was it? It was a storm. Yes, it was a storm. It was the storm episode that Kat Candler actually directed. That was the big moment where Darla kind of tells her truth. Mm -hmm. And we shot it all on stage because we were trying to get back on schedule and found that the storm was such a creative way to do it. And it turned out to be a lovely episode. That was our speech. Yes, Yes, our speech. Yeah, that was fun. It was fun. That was lots of fun. And for you, Tina Lifford, as you know, I'm one of the probably premier chooser of automobiles in Queen Sugar. I choose like all the cars for the actors. That's like my thing. And we had lots of discussions about vehicles. And for an actor, you probably may not even remember the different vehicles. But we put Vi in a particular car in season one, and it was a particular color. 
Do you remember what those were? A green Mustang. Oh, wow. But what's, <laughs> what other aspect of it? What What was the special part of it? Uh, I think it was convertible. It was. Yeah. yeah okay. It was convertible with uh, a loud engine. <laughs> yeah. We were trying to match uh, Vi's personality. Yeah. 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 Well, look, it was wonderful having you guys here to talk about episode five and Queen Sugar in general. Um, is you know, It's so wonderful to relive these moments. And it's kind of sad that we won't be shooting it again you know for another season um but i'm so wonderfully grateful to have had the opportunity to work with you both um on all the seasons we got to do and i look forward to the upcoming episodes which you know have so many more twists and turns but this is it for our podcast um i love loved having you guys here thank you thank you all guards great to see you antonio see you (laughs) thank you thank you Thank you.